our first Woody opening, Bearden took a hell of a shot at Coach Palima. I'm going to tone it down just a little and just say the next time he wants to recruit someone from Texas, good luck with that. Enjoy the show. Yeah. Hey, welcome back to Wisdom of the Wannabes. You got Alan and Ryan. And we are deep into the 2015 season now for the NFL and college. There's a couple of teams that are in absolute panic mode. A couple of coaches that I think are very much on hot seats, if there's even a seat left. And there's been a couple of shocks around the nation, both in pros and college. So, Beardo, anything else you want to talk about before we get into our, you know, big three? No. Seconds? Let's jump right in it. All right, you got the show. You got the floor, sir. All right, well, I'm going to start with my uh, my my um, one of my big three surprises for the weekend, I think, as a whole, has to be a culmination for the last two weeks. But I'm going to start in the pros and say the Atlanta Falcons, who is a team that has had the talent, has, you know, at least on the offensive side of the ball, had a lot of talent there and got pretty close. But, um, you know, they kind of faltered. I know they had injuries and, you know, they were never able to shore up a lot of pass rush. But, man, they look like a completely different team under uh, was it Dan Snyder, Quinn? Uh, no, it's Dan, it's Quinn. Quinn, sorry. Yeah. Um, and so uh, anyway, but I, I just I think they look like a they look like a completely different team. Um, their mentality, the way they play, the aggressive Julio Jones looks unbelievable. Uh, that guy just looks like a stud. He also looks like a guy that can break every limb in his body on almost every single catch. Yeah, I mean he's he's you know 276 yards in two games, couple couple TDs. Um, he's the real deal, and I, I think they're gonna. I, I I think they're gonna do really well if they can stay healthy. They're gonna do really well. That defense just looks like the body language, everything about them looks completely different. Yeah, it's a you know going back to the Dan Quinn hire. Um, I mean, it just kind of shows you what a coaching staff change can do. And I mean, I think we saw that in uh, Dallas with Wade uh, recently. You certainly haven't seen it in Chicago yet this year, but you're definitely seeing it in Atlanta. Um, you know, I think that's why we all got excited about Buffalo. But man, you know, I don't remember Atlanta. You know, it's been a while since we did our preview of what all they added in the offseason because it looks like they've got quite a bit of the same guys back, but they are just playing hard. Now, you know, we're going to get to my surprises, and the one thing we have to caution everybody on is it's week two in a 17-week season. So before everybody just starts congratulating themselves or hitting the waiver wire, uh, unless you have to, like certain teams up here, um, I'd sell it down, but no, that, it's a great start for them. You're absolutely well, right. and and you know, I'm certainly not making you right. I'm certainly not making any proclamation. I'm just, I am. Uh, it, it was quite noticeable to me the, uh, you know, just how how they look like a different team. Uh, they look like a team that can go really can can do some big things. Um, they certainly can in their division. It looks like yeah, yeah, yeah. They certainly will. I, I, you know, I think Carolina could be interesting. That could be a fool's goal kind of team, but. Anyway, um, the my other surprise, I have to jump back to the college, and of course, I you know had to put this one on for number two, so my head wouldn't explode. But you know <laughs> what I was calling VY part two, I'm now calling JH part one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Gerard Hurd, and you know this that game. You know obviously you know tough to swallow. You know tough to swallow, and just you know got your heart ripped out, but. Um, you know, looking past that, looking past the ending of that game and how it ended, 
um, you know, a game that they weren't favored by. I certainly didn't pick them to win. Um, you know, I, I think the this is what impressed me the most is that that game to me, I, I, I truly believe that game was lost in the last between the last 90 seconds of the first half and the first 30 seconds of the second half. That's when that game was lost. That's when you go from having the ball, having a 10-point lead, getting the ball to come out of the second half. And, like, you know, if you go up 17 or 20 on these guys, they're probably not coming back the way that you're running. You're, you're moving the ball and scoring. Um, and to watch that evaporate in a minute and a half and then fast forward to being down 21 in the fourth quarter and then what this team did, like, and that was Gerard Hurt. And, you know, it's, it's really nice to see the positives are, A, there is zero – discussion about the quarterback anymore yep no, that's over and done no with. more absolutely no more um but you can see it you know you you say it reminds you of a vince young or you know even a colt mccoy to a you know a, a similar extent but that final run was just amazing gosh you i know, mean just to be honest i was sitting outside still basking in the glow of my game uh and so i had i really had and by the time that was over then i was already getting the texts and the emails from you and dad and talking to some folks and I, it took me a couple of days to finally sit down and watch the highlights, and it was just really impressive. Now broke a record. You know, we talked about the value of the third quarter, and you know, you're saying you lost it the last end of the second half. I think you pulled a tech, and you lost it in the third quarter. Well, get shut out twenty-one to nothing. You know, that's just something. You, it's very hard to come back from. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, they. You know, to to throw an interception going into the half and to fumble or to. F- and then to fumble the snap coming out of the half, resulting in both of those plays resulted in 14 points. And there's your lead. You know, you're yeah. absolutely right about the third quarter, but they should have never been in a position where they're going to be down 21 at the end of the third quarter. You know, down 10 under a collapse, maybe, but nevertheless, Gerard Hurd was unbelievable. Broke a you know school record counting for more yards than any player ever. That's unbelievable. Um he is something else, and you can see this team feeding off of him, and that's the kind of shit we haven't seen in a long time, and that is the thing that's noticeable. The way that these guys play now, the way that the you know Norvell's doing great, great play calling, um, just a lot of unloading. With John Burt's one-on-one, just throw it down there. Yep. Just throw it down there because he's going to outrun everybody he's up against. But Gerard Hurd, you know, definitely my number two. This team, you know, has a real chance to do something kind of special. But um, he's really something else, and he's going to be fun to watch. Then, um, you know, my third is, um, you know, obviously I didn't get to see much of this game, although I did watch in the third quarter quite a bit of this game. But Ole Miss, um, back-to-back wins over Alabama, um, that is – that's – that, that was one of the most amazing catches, I, yeah. or not just, but offensive plays I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know, you know, and there was a lot of, well, lucky this or that, whatever. It still counts. It still counts as points, and they still outplay them. And at the end of the day, you know what I, what, what, at least the conclusion I came to, admittedly not having seen the entire game, the conclusion I came to was, Alabama is just not the same team they were three, four, five years ago. They're just no, and what's what's amazing to me is it looks like they got a little bit of UTitis on them. Is they don't have a good they quarterback. don't have a quarterback at all. You're absolutely right. Um, I it it felt like that was not really managed well in that game, but you know hindsight's twenty twenty. But you know at the end of the day, that's what that game told me is I, I don't you know I I think you're looking at a 
nine and three, potentially eight and four for this Alabama team this year. And not to say that that's bad. I'd take that all day long, especially. No, you wouldn't. You guys fired a guy for 10 wins. Yeah, well, given where we've been the last four or five years, like coming out with eight. Okay, now that you've reset expectations, yes. Yes, exactly. So, and nevertheless, um, that uh, that was a surprise to me. And you and I were both saying like, no, they're not going to be in a back-to-back years. You know, they had a good run, but it exposed that Ole Miss is a really is a pretty damn good team, and Alabama is still a damn good team, but they're just not. I don't think they're up there with Ole Miss or LSU. So I'll have to put this in the in the writing for it in case Curry doesn't actually listen to the whole thing. But I take back my entire prediction of the SEC West. It ain't going to be Arkansas, and I hate to tell you this, uh, Manziel or uh, yeah, Stuart Mandel. Maybe right. It could be the Aggies. We'll find out this week. Yeah, they still got a lot to go. Yeah, but, uh, I, it, it's it's early. looking like it's early. It's a hodgepodge, there. right? All right. So my three big surprises, and I'll hop up to you know the Shield. Um, man, that Eagles team may be one of the worst looking offenses I've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm one of the guys that you know. I think Troy Aikman is a very good announcer, and I don't understand I some of the rap he gets as being a homer or negative or any of this uh, or dumb. I think he's very insightful. Um, I love him. I think he's great. I think he uh, well, and Buck are great. I have never heard him dog on any team as hard as he did the Eagles. Well, I mean, it was basically like the last fourth quarter he wanted to leave and they were forcing him, going, "No, you're calling this game. You have to stay here." It was brutal. Yeah, they um, look at look at Demarco Murray. What the hell did you get that guy for? If you're only going to hand the ball off to him, like what, seven, eight times? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it was horribly executed. And Bradford looks exactly like Bradford that we saw, except instead of sitting on the bench looking confused, he's on the field looking confused. I thought the Eagles, and they still may change it, but this is one that looks like, you know, talking to our coaching friend, I texted him in the middle of this because, you know, we've had some conversations of when Tech has quit, when UT has quit, and I was like, do you think the Eagles are, as a professional team are quitting on their coach? And his comment was, no. What they're probably doing is, you know, tanking to get rid of the coach. Yeah. You know, and that that may have some credence to it. Well, <clears throat> or they may pull it together over the next two weeks and reel off five straight wins. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think they're capable of playing better. It looks like they just they just look like they are uh, um, like they, don't, I, they look like my first football team. You they know, don't know what they're doing. Have that line of my first whatever. This looks like my first football team, except it's a professional team. Yeah, well, they're, they're certainly not on the same page. And, you know, I, I think the, um, you know, Bradford just made a lot of bad decisions. And, you know, you're right about Murray. You you can't, we, you know, you saw this in Dallas the last few couple years before his big breakout year, but you can't give him the ball just like eight to 10 times a game. Like, no, and you can't have him running sideline to sideline. No. You got hit a hole and go like do your homework like look look at what he did and how he did it and you know maybe they don't have the offensive line for it but i'll tell you what that's an expensive freaking seven carries a game well they i think i saw something that you've got 22 million dollars worth of running backs with a like i don't know 1.2 1.5 million dollars of guards blocking for them 
And in Kelly's offense, those guards, you know, are double teaming and pulling. And he got rid of two veteran guards. And it's looking like, you know, it's very early. We understand that. But the chicken's coming home to roost. And I want this, you know, on tape. Um, I want an innovative mind to come into the NFL and be successful on the offensive side of the ball. Every one that we've seen come in has struggled and it hasn't worked. And so you go back to this, well, the athletes are too fast. No, you know, yeah, they're fast. I give them that. They are some of the most, you know, this sounds redundant, but most athletic specimens there are. Mm -hmm. But those offenses should still work. Uh, granted, the gaps will disappear quicker, but your guys are going to get there quicker. I just want somebody with that different mindset to do something that changes the league. Yeah. Um, you know, because they keep tweaking with the rules so that, you know, you throw a 50 or a 20 yard pass and it's better and better average than not that you're going to get a pass interference if you don't get a completion. Well, that's great, but that's kind of a boring play. I want to see great offense. And, you know, I was hoping Chip Kelly would do it. He still may, but he could also be back uh, in college with a very nice paycheck for too long. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I agree. It's hard to just bring that in there and do it, especially and to be successful in the first, you know, two weeks that you're implementing something so new and foreign. But when I the, – the bits that I saw, I was listening to most of it. I didn't get to see a lot of it. But the uh, they just looked like they were moving like three steps slower than Dallas. Oh, it, Dallas was Sean Lee looked like a, a man a man among boys. Yeah, he was like he's playing Ray Lewis back there. Yeah, and uh, you know the line was getting penetration. Uh, I, it it was just a complete. It looked like a college team against a pro team. That's exactly what it looked like. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think the next. The next two to three weeks will certainly tell us a lot about. They got the Jets defense coming up. And after what I saw them do to the Colts, I don't know what you got. So, yeah. all right, moving on. Uh, my next one has to be sticking with the state of surprises in uh, in Alabama. Auburn and their complete lack of an offense. Oh, you know, uh, from what we've seen from them and what we heard about, you know, well, it was Jeremiah Johnson, I believe, last year. Now it's Jeremy Johnson. And now it's I'm seeing on the bench Johnson because they just, you know, benched him to put in a redshirt freshman or maybe a true freshman. But, you know, that game against LSU, LSU's defense is for real. Yeah. Uh, but to have 100 yards passing in this day and age and only 160, I mean, good Lord. You know, I – in some of the high school days, you know, is holding an opponents under 250 was still actually doable before the spread came right. in. But to hold LSU to uh, 260, or I'm sorry, to hold Auburn to 260 yards combined offense, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I really don't believe, you know, again, unless Miles, but it looks like this is a year that he's just going to say, okay, back one, you go. Back two, you go. Back three, you go. And then we'll start all over again. And they're going to ride that Leonard Fournette as much as they can. I mean, 228 yards and three touchdowns against Muschamp's vaunted new defense. Wow. That was just – that was a hell of a showing. Yeah, it, it was. that. Um, it's the only thing that made Tide fans happy at that day. I'll tell you that much. The um, LSU looks like a well-oiled machine, man. They look, they look good. They look good. And I know that they're – you know, that was, you know – 
I don't recall who they played in the in the non-conference, but they, um, I mean, they. Well, they had that one game. Their first game was canceled. Oh, that's right. They had. The- and then I can't remember who they opened up with next, uh, unless uh, it was uh, Louisville, and then I don't know something JV State. I, I can't even tell you. So anyway, they. They have the Louisville on their record, which looked good at the time. Now it looks like crap. Yeah, well, it you know it's it's you know unfortunately this day and age, even if you're playing a winless Louisville team, it's still better than playing you know Appalachian State. So sure. I give them credit for that. The um, you know it, it'll be interesting to see how you know just how bad Auburn really is. You know because this was a beatdown and it's a conference game, and these are two opponents that have you know been been pretty darn good, had some good games, but. LSU looks like the real deal Holyfield. They look really, really good. And, you know, if I'm if I had to obviously, like you said, it's way too early to say anything, but they've they've been pretty impressive. I think that, you know, that division looks like it'll beat each beat themselves up and take them all out of it. You know, that's the one good thing is with this new uh, playoff committee, they can look at the overall body of work. But I still think if you have two losses, you're really fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, well, you're hoping. Yeah, you're, you don't control your own destiny. Yep. So my last big surprise, and this is, you know, this started in August, uh, and I think it probably goes back a couple of years. But, you know, with Bryles and uh, what's-his-nuts from uh, now Washington. Peterson. And, yes. When they got into it about the, you know, terrible situation that happened to Baylor, that was one thing, and it's that was kind of the first time I could I remembered coaches not backing themselves. And then I, I gave you another uh, example today, and I can't remember what it is. Of uh, you know, oh, actually, no, it was Patterson just uh, yesterday or the day before when one of his players goes down. And he says, "Well, it's a lot. You know, it's not nearly as bad as what happened down south of here." Yeah, the player that he's referring to, him and another player, like beat up a, a kid to. They went to a frat party and stole a, a twenty a case of Keystone Light. Yeah, well, and, I mean, I think he's up. absolutely right. It's probably it's not near as bad as what happened to Baylor, but to try to pull the whole, um, you guys better report the apology as much as you report the spectacle. That's never going to happen. Right. And to take a shot at another coach, another program. Again, I don't remember seeing that outside of maybe Spurrier uh, back in the day, Beautiful. and then. Yeah. The big one that everybody talked about for about two days, and I think it's run itself into the ground now, is Cliff, you know, after beating Arkansas. And I will say this, I, I believe beating them handily. Um, you know, 35-24. They were never in- losing, were they? I'm sorry? Were they ever losing? Uh, it was tied up 21-21 at half. And then, you know, we took care of it the rest of the way. Um, they got close, but... Not really. We shut them out in the fourth quarter. Hmm. So, you know, you go in there and you do this. And then I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, I've heard stories of the coaching convention and some of the salty language that's been used. But, hey, guess what? It's coaches talking to each other. Right. I'm not surprised that there's language used. But what you don't do, especially if you're in a state that borders Texas with very little population, you don't walk into the state of Texas high school football coaching association and basically tell all of them that what you're doing is dumb and that we would kick your ass if we lined up against you. Now, I don't know what 
coach in his right mind would think that that makes sense uh, to piss off the high school coaches. So let's go back to what I was saying. The surprise is to see Cliff in a in a nice looking suit, you know, which uh, still looks a little pretty to me to basically on camera say, you know, he said if we ran if we didn't run an offense with a fullback, he'd kick our ass. If you pass more than 70 times or whatever, he'd kick our ass. Well, he just got his ass kicked. I was so proud. I'll be honest. Well, it was, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think you're right. Generally speaking, it's probably not a good thing that coaches do this more, seemingly more and more. Um, you know, I, it seems like stuff that, you know, you've always heard of is talked about during the quote unquote recruiting battles. But now this is happening on Sports Center. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing for Kingsbury to say that about Belima, especially if he did that. You know, it's one thing if he's just talking general shit because he doesn't like the guy, but to, you know, that obviously left a mark on him. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, he obviously remembered that, and he did, just didn't make that up um, or embellish that. But um, anyway, I, yeah, I, I think it's, it was probably deserved, and I think it was a good shot because that Belima guy came in pretty darn cocky uh, coming into this season, you know, the way that they finished last season, rightfully so. Uh, oh, saying that beating you guys was nearly orgasmic during media days. Erotic. Yeah, erotic. Sorry, well, yeah, uh, and, you know, step too far. Whatever. I mean, just he—he's a fool. He's obviously a fool. But uh, well, then and then beating up the Big Ten the week that he loses to Toledo, and then doing this. But what I loved about Cliff was, you know, he's—you know—he's talked about. Well, he just got his ass beat. He got his ass beat last week, and he's going to get his ass beat again. Yeah. I know you don't like the Aggies, but I will say this is I think the Aggies take it to them. And, um, you know, they probably I'll finish up by saying I'm very proud of the Raiders. I did not think that they would be three and oh at this point in the season, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, you know, me being the pessimist, I probably expected one and two, but everybody else probably thought two and one. We've got a good shot. And what I'm most impressed with is this defense seems like it's gelling. Now, can we go into the next week and do it again? So, if you don't mind, can we transition into this week's game? Let's do it. All right. So, we're going up against TCU, who hung 82 points against us and ran out of fireworks last week or last year, which is just such a damn shame. And, um, you know, that was one of those moments when it's. Do you think they quit on him? And yeah, they they basically admitted that there there was some quitting going on, and um, I, I just I can't get over that game, and I never will. But you look at it coming in right now that you know Boykin was supposed to be a stud. I think he still is a stud, but you know TCU is one and two right now. Or I'm sorry, they're undefeated. They're number three. Yeah, they're like two and zero, oh, three and zero, oh, three and zero. Yeah. Oh. The, you know, their wins were against a Minnesota team that we thought was going to be good, but they've been, if you look at their last two scores, they've been pretty close against other mediocre team. Let's be honest, they drilled SMU. Yeah. People want to say it was a closer game than it was. Um, you know, I and I don't know if you know, I buy that. Well, you know, going back to it, you look at it and it was, uh, let's see, 28, you know, uh, Basically, they're right. It was close, but TCU put them away with 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but here's the big deal. At the beginning of the season, I think we talked about, you know, TCU replacing its defense. 
and having to replace five guys that graduated or went to the pros. So then you've got 12 or, you know, 12 guys coming back or I'm sorry, 11 guys coming back. Now you've got seven of those starting 11 are gone. I don't know what, how many programs can replace that. I said that, you know, Patterson could fill the holes, but you can't replace seven guys that were starting for you in week one, or you're planning to have them start in week one and keep having them go down to injuries or health. So while I am still concerned about what we can do on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, Tech has not told me that we can't score. I feel like, um, you know, TCU may not be able to stop anything. Yeah, you're. Um, I, <clears throat> I, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, to give up 37 SMUs, pretty that, that that's a lot of points. Um, you know, I, I'm still going to say it wasn't closer than it seemed. They, I mean, they, the, the fourth quarter. You're right, is where it separated itself. But at the end of the day. These guys were trailing by 11 points, 12 points the entire game. But they, nevertheless, they did put up a lot of points on them. And you're absolutely right, TCU. I, I don't know. I mean, you're down to, you know, what, three people, like initial three to five. And you know, uh, I, yeah, I have to say three. I mean, you've already got safeties that are, are moving to linebacker. Yeah. Uh, just because of the fact that they have no depth. So it's not a – uh, Patterson, you know, typical, hey, move the safeties up because we're getting better athletes. No, it's because you have to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see what we can do. I mean, we have – here's – It's a winnable game, man. It's it, this very it's much a winnable Oilers, game. Texas Tech fandom that we're used to getting, you know, lifted up, only to have the rug pulled out from underneath us. But if we can win this game and take down a top three team, then, you know, the rest of the season, okay, I lied. I still want to beat you guys. But that's the deal is if we beat you, or I'm sorry, beat TCU, which I think is possible because it's not a University of Texas. It's not an OU. The two teams we've always struggled with, this is TCU. We can do it. Um, I, this really sets us up. It it shoots us right into the top 20 you know that um it gets everybody believing again and we we may be going bowling because we still have kansas and iowa state on the schedule thank god yeah well you're absolutely right i mean you're halfway there right i mean that's, that's yeah. really how you look at it i um i think the um I, I think you're right i think this is a winnable game i think you know obviously i'm not i'm not going to sit here and tell you that tcu is Oh, they're no good. Well, no, they're they're good, and they're going to move the ball, um, and they're going to do some things that are going to give your defense fits. But um, I, I'm with you. I think you might be able to, you know, if you might be able to control the tempo of this game. You know, granted, it's both it's both a high tempo game. But yeah, I was going to say controlling the tempo of the game with our offense is just. Uh, can we score? You know, can it take a minute and a half for us to score? Right. Right. Or turn the ball over. Well, and, and if you can, and if you guys can, like, you know, the worst thing about Tech, the most demoralizing thing about them is like they'd go on a not that the boom, boom, boom score, but when they would go on a five, six minute drive, picking up six yards at a time and score, maybe have like five positive plays, then get sacked, and then boom, 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 get the first down, and you know, go and then but know that you're going to punch it in each time. I mean, I. 
I, I think this is a winnable game. I, I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say Tech wins it, but I think this is a very tight game. I would be surprised if it wasn't. I am going to go ahead and say that we win it. You know, let my pride show because I very, very seldom do it. And I think it was coming up, and I have to go back and check the play-by-play and, you know, when we scored. But I want to say that towards the end of the half, we got the ball back with just a couple of seconds to play, or maybe a minute, minute and a half. And the announcers were basically saying, that's too long. Yeah. Uh, You know, and that's, you know, it took – for us to go up, it took tw- two plays, 85 yards, and 26 seconds. Yeah. So, um, now that was before the end of the half. Uh, but, you know, it's just you can do it really quickly. Now, what we need to do is get Washington to have the ball in that pivotal third quarter and shove it down their throats. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that, that that's how you're going to put them away. I mean, that's absolutely how you're going to put them away. And. You know, it, it, it'll be interesting. You never know. I mean, these guys might kick into another gear. You know, it's conference play. It's a different. Hey, if you if you had told me that the line was going to be seven points when we started this whole thing against TCU, I would have been shocked. Yeah, I, I agree. It was it opened at eight, dropped down to six and a half, and now it's, you know, to seven. So I'm not touching this thing out of pride, but I do want to see the, uh, you know, the team over under and see what they put tech at because the over under for the game is 80 and a half points. And, you know, TCU obviously did that by themselves last year. So I'm kind of curious of just how they think this is going to go. Because again, with that defense and our offense, I just think that we could easily put up 40 points. Yeah. And you bring up a good point there. Cause when you think about, you know, there's a lot of players that were here when they, uh, when they took that beating last year and, it's, oh, there's a ton. You throw that element back into those, that chip on their shoulder. You know, they, you know, again, it's not about moral victories. We know that. But, you know, to come in here and to play these guys really, really tight, and it's at Fort Worth, right? No, no, no. Oh. They remember it was at Fort Worth last year. So that's where they ran out of the fire. Oh, that's right. So it's at the Jones. That's right. So there you go. Which there you go. This is how you help rebuild the whole thing. You know, you beat these teams. Man, any top 10 team will do. And, you know, we got – this is the only one we may get this year from the Big 12, uh, even though OU is looking okay, not great. But, anyways, let's talk about another Oklahoma team that has to uh, make a little trip down to Austin. Yes. You ready I, for the Cowboys? Yeah. I. Uh, it's, it's a – you know, like I said in your game, it's conference play. It's a whole new thing. You know, I think the Longhorns have – there's a lot coming out of – Non-conference play, you know, this is probably where a lot of teams, a lot of people had them at this particular record. Um, you know, say what you will, they should have beat Cal, blah, 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 but they didn't. And, but, yeah. you know, they, they got better. And as I've been saying, the last, um, you know, the last two or three weeks is after that Notre Dame, Notre Dame game especially is they just have to get better every week. They have to get better. And they've done that. They were better against Cal than they were against Rice. I think – like the, the the thing of coming back from 21 down is really going, you know, getting to the point where you blow a 10 point. I mean, if you think about it, they were outscored at one point between the end of the first half and into the third quarter uh, by 31 points, like 31, nothing. They were outscored. And, um, but to be able to come back from that and be able to have this person they can rally around and, you know, you're starting to see a lot of things like 
You know, you, you, I give, you know, where I mentioned earlier, Norvell deserves a lot of credit. You're starting to see DeJay Johnson actually play the receiver role and uh, play less of a come in and do a sweep or a, a reverse and more of a, you're going to go run, you know, eight yard posts and, you know, you're going to be a receiver. And he's been doing great. He's been playing great. Um, you know, Jonathan Gray, you're seeing a lot more. I think you're going to see a ton more against Oklahoma State. Him getting little swing passes or pitches to the outside and letting Foreman be the guy running up to, you know, kind of downhill runner up to between the tackles. I think it's coming together. And then when you have that electrifying herd, I mean, that's crazy what that guy's doing. And, you know, but their defense has to get better. They can't be giving up 450 point yards a game. They're going to get destroyed in this league. Uh, well, so now here's my deal with that is I think Cal was a great test for you guys because it was a Pac-12 offense, which has always been a passing offense. And it's what, you know, we we turned into the Pac-12 a decade ago. Yeah. It took people a little while to adjust to that. But you read everything of what Strong has done, you know, since the offseason, minus that one game against Notre Dame. It's like we have to move to more of a spread shotgun offense. Oh, yeah. It's what all these quarterbacks know. It's what the receivers know. It's what your linemen know. So you guys trying to be different, you know, I think that's where your talent base is set right now because of what you've recruited. But Strong decided to go, and that's why the coaching change was made. I, I do think, you know, in the world of black helicopters and old X-Files and everything, I've heard it pop up this week that, you know, he saved Hurd from Notre Dame because he didn't think there was a chance. I have absolutely no belief that in that. That is not that. how that guy operates or thinks. No, and I think it's just conspiracy theorists and trying to, you know, revise the past. But here's my biggest concern for you guys is you still got – the numbers are against you. You are very, very young on defense. Oh. You're going against a team that, you know, has an offensive – I don't know, savant maybe. I don't know if I want to call Gundy a genius. But they're putting up 41 points a game this year. They're only, on defense, giving up less than 12. Well, the numbers look really, really bad. But it's only a three-point spread. Well, and I'll tell you why, because – like you said, Texas has played that Cal team, you know. And and let's be honest, I I don't want to overstate it because they're a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. And but it just yeah, but you played a middle of the road Pac-12 team and you played Notre Dame and they haven't touched that schedule. You're exactly right, and that's exactly where I was going. And you know, the Cal's quarterback, while that team is not you know is a middle of the road Pac-12, the quarterback is you know probably better than any quarterback Texas is going to face this year. And uh, um, I don't think you'll face one better than you faced last no, week. I'm I sorry. agree with you totally. That guy looked like Peyton Manning back there in the pocket. I can't wait to watch him live this weekend. Never rattled, never rattled. And so, anyway, I think the um, I, I think that you know Texas, while the well, I think Cal's quarterback is better than Oklahoma State's quarterback. I think Oklahoma State's offense generally is better than um, yeah, their, their collective unit, you know. And yep. but I, I I'll tell you what, man, I, I I go back to the schedule thing, you know. And even when you look at last week UTSA, you see those big numbers. But if you look at the box score. They threw up 28 points in the fourth quarter, like almost double what their next highest quarter output was. And it was like 28 to three. They outscored them in the fourth quarter. And 
Which is just an example of Big 12 depth against well, yeah, you're, you're, whatever UTSA is. When got. you're playing the backups of UTSA, I mean, as tough as UTSA has played some good teams the last couple of years, when you get to the second level deep, it's stupid. Like the, the yeah. drop off is ridiculous. And so, but that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to skew it because Oklahoma State went out and did what they did, but. You know, you're playing against UTSA's backups. You better throw up 28 points on a quarter. Um, and I think that that's going to play into effect. I think they haven't. Their defense is going to be. I think the, the the defensive coaches are legitimately in the film room, going like, Jesus, what are we going to do? We we got to do something here. But um, but I think that the um, you know, Texas has. To, and didn't you lose a linebacker? Texas has to shore some things up on defense, and and they're not. It's not going to be overdone. I think that we probably overestimated how good that front four was going to be because man, they're, they're getting some good penetration and times, but they're just, they're not closing the deal. And every time they get good penetration, those linebackers have to fall back in coverage because we're playing pass happy teams and there's 18 yards wide open for the quarterback to run. He does every yeah. single time. And so they're just, they don't have to get a hundred percent better for this game. They just have to get a little bit better. I think- they just got to get, they, you know, what I think I saw is, uh, you know, UT's line. Texas shut them out. Texas defense shut them out think, in the fourth quarter. I think they're getting mean. And I don't mean mean as being, you know, punks and taking cheap shots and knocking people into the sidelines, but just dominating the line of scrimmage where you grab the remote and, you know, grab your wife and go watch this block and she couldn't care less. But you're seeing that, you know, tackle or that guard, you know, just light someone yeah. up. That's what UT needs, you know, in order to win because you got some talent. You got a leader now. Now you just got to start putting it together. Now, do I think you can put it together against Oklahoma state? I'll be honest. I don't know if you can. Yeah. Uh, I think they're a really good team. Um, it, if it was in Stillwater, I would say that you've got, you know, a leg up because you guys seem, this is one of those reverse series right. that it seems like, you guys win in Stillwater. They win in Austin. Am I yeah. right? Well, two years ago, they came in, and it was close for about a quarter, and then the wheels fell off, and I remember being at that game and walking out, you know, leaving a little bit early to head over to the Alumni Center, and they had Texas just given up like 14 unanswered points. They were down 10 nothing, and Case McCoy throws a pick six as time expires in the half, and it was like, oh. I don't think we ever went back to the state. Yeah. Um, and so and it was just downhill from there. But you're right. Texas does win in Stillwater uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this offense continues to get better. They continue to gel. I think they're going to throw some things at Oklahoma State that they certainly haven't seen in the first three games uh, and probably haven't seen in a lot of film from Texas. You know, and I um, I I think I think Texas is going to win this game. I think they're going to take that next step. They were right there last week. You know, you think about it. I'm looking at it and talking about the progression of them just playing better week to week against Notre Dame. They didn't play like any quarter of that game. They didn't play any full quarters against rice. They played about one or two full quarters. They just happened to be better than them athletically and got lucky. Um, And against Cal, they played three great quarters. The third quarter, they just, they stopped playing and they were able to pick it back up. We're going to give them credit, but now I think they're going to put four quarters together. I think they're going to make just enough stops. I think Gundy's teams, where they are historically 
really talented and can score quick and look sharp. They're also quick to, and I know he's gotten better at this, but they're quick to cough the ball, ball up. They're quick to have turnovers, little like sloppy turnovers, lackadaisical, just a momentary, you know, lapse of judgment. But um, I think Texas defense is going to make just that number of plays. I think you're going to see 40 points for the third straight game. I'm going 41-37 Texas here. All right. Well, then you beat the over because uh, the over-under is 61. Um, I, you know, and I think I've been pretty straightforward that I like strong. I like the direction UT is going. Um, I think comparing Oklahoma State to Cal is just not – uh, comparable. I, I think Oklahoma State's one of the second tier teams in the Big 12, and Cal is probably a third tier team in the Pac 12. Um, I think you getting them at home is a huge advantage, but again, it goes back to that home and home kind of record here. I'm going to say that you keep it close until the fourth quarter. I think you shift your quarter of where you fall down, and Oklahoma State walks away with a win. I think we both may be uh, upset next week, to be honest with you, but I hope to God we're not. Yeah. You want to talk? You want to touch on the rest of the Big Twelve? I got these pulled up, and it's a nightmare schedule. If you want to talk about the power of the Big Twelve, Kansas at Rutgers, Woo-hoo. an 0-2 Kansas team going out to Jersey against a team that I think has uh, five or eight players suspended and their coach, uh, and they're one and two. So. Uh, the line is 12 and a half. The over under is 65 points. I would actually put the line as the over under here because I, I guess maybe because they just don't think Kansas can stop anybody. But good Lord, I would take the under all day on that. Yeah, probably so. What did you say the over under was? 65 and a half. That's a lot. It seems like a lot of points. For those two, absolutely. So moving to our next one. To highlight the power of this conference, Rice at Baylor. Um, you know, Baylor, I think, takes this in a landslide. Yeah, this is, I mean. This is nothing, but it's a scrimmage. I think we all agree that Rice is better, a better team today than they were 10 years ago. They're a good conference USA team. They just can't handle big That's ball. right. That's right. And But with that said, you're right. This, this should be a boat race. Uh, Big 10 Maryland against Big 12 West Virginia, natural fits in their conferences. Um, you know, West Virginia's favorite here. I honestly couldn't care less, but uh, I'll take a coin flip and I'll go Big 12 here. Well, yeah, I think I'll, they're favored by 17. 17 points. I'm sorry? West Virginia favored by 17. Yeah, yes. I, I mean, I, they, they should win this game. But, you know, again, I'm going to say kudos for scheduling at least a big conference team. Even if they're yeah, happy. but when they made the schedule, was it against an ACC team because of their, you know, old school East Coast roots, or was it against a Big Ten team? That is it for the Big 12. So you want to hit the other top 25 games, see if we got anybody worth talking about? I don't about? think there is anybody worth talking about. I think there's a uh, – you know, BYU-Michigan, you know, if Michigan had – Michigan will be ranked if they win, obviously, but I don't know if they could beat BYU. That's an interesting game. Um, you know – BYU coming back, you know, I think – didn't they play Michigan State – or who did they open with? Who? BYU. Um, uh, Nebraska. Okay, so, yeah, they've come out and they took care of business. They beat them and, on a Hail Mary. Yeah, uh, and so they're on their second-string quarterback – I I don't know. I mean, 
do you think Michigan can do it here? They're favored. Um, I don't. I think BYU is too good. I think Michigan's Michigan's gonna Michigan's better, and they're gonna get better. But I think BYU is a good team. Uh, you know, BYU just damn near beat UCLA last weekend. That was a one point game. Yes, it was. Um, but you know, I think the uh, you know bringing up UCLA, I, the, there was two you know like pretty decent games this weekend, and UCLA at Arizona, which is your prime time game, and then uh, SC at Arizona State. Those your that is, I mean, you're right. Well, actually, hey, yeah, we'll talk about that. But then there's another Pac-12 game at 7:30 or 6:30 or, or no, 7:30 our time. Utes and Oregon. Um, USC and Arizona State. I think Arizona State takes this. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm saying you. Arizona State really needs this win. I think uh, USC is gonna win this game. I think. I think they got better athletes, uh, but I, Arizona State really needs it, and it's in Tempe. So, yes, um, I do like. Uh, well, I'll still ride the Ducks. I mean, it's two ranked teams, eighteen and thirteen. Um, I'll take Ducks over the U. I will as well, big time. Uh, let's see, UCLA and Arizona again. You're talking about we, we breezed over it. That one is, you know. At Arizona, Bruins by three. You know, Bruins quarterbacks look really damn good. Yeah, they uh, they they certainly do. They, um, man, Rich Rod. I mean, he's got those at Car- uh, Wildcats playing pretty well. I think this could be a good, you know, sort of program. You know, direction like like you said. You know, that's when you start to turn a corner when you, you know, you get big wins like this. You know, they can pull this win off at night in the desert. That could be a that could be a good. Uh, that, that could be a big win. I'm going to take Arizona in an upset here. All right. Uh, the only other one, and this is a big reach, but well, apparently it's not because Vegas is taking it. Missouri at three and zero going to Kentucky two and one. Kentucky by two and a half. Um, Missouri getting no respect after winning the East two years in a row. Maybe they've lost some players. I don't know. I don't know. I don't uh, know. Uh, who knows? But that's it for you know college for the weekend. Uh, besides the amazing Cal going to uh, Washington game, which I really don't even know the spread of that. But we'll have some reporting, some pictures from that. So follow our tweets, folks, because I will be there. Yeah, I will. Uh, I I gotta be rooting for the Cal Bears from here on out, big time. Yeah, it, I, and you should, damn it, because uh, at least I'm gonna say that this week. There you go. Uh, all right, so heading into week three of the, the league, uh, we've got the biggest NFC East cluster going, you know, Redskins against your Giants. I have to say that I personally would expect um, this to be a low-scoring, ugly game. And with all the injuries you guys have, I God. Can I, I, I'll go with their skins. Yeah. Just because, yeah. you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't know what you guys are. I, I, you know, texted you Sunday. I think you guys can win the NFC East. I think anybody can win it right now. It's up for grabs. Uh, but the skins are kind of a, I don't know, flash in the pan type team. It seems like. Yeah, they do. I, I, like, I don't like rooting for Daniel Snyder. No, I I think the uh, I, I think the Giants are the, the one thing I can take away from the Giants is man what a what a just gut wrenching first two games you know that first game was just stupid that was just like you you just 
you, you've made a mental as the coaching staff and you know I, you can put some of the blame on Eli like dude you're Eli Manning if he really said what he said in the huddle then you know shame on Eli uh, but the the coaching staff can always overrule and say just punch it. Yeah, in. well, and you're right. The, 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 how that how that was mismanaged was ridiculous. Like overthinking it. That that was the epitome of overthinking it. And uh, you know that was gut wrenching. You know I, I'm going to say it. They should have won that game. They that they should have absolutely won that game. And they were right there, and it was there for the tanking. Uh, and then the Atlanta Falcons. You know some people say the same thing. Well. Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, if you have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, that's a lot. Like, that's 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 a lot. And um, But at the same time... Apparently not if Julio Jones is strapped in right. and ready to go to Well, town. my point is is that let, let's not take away from Atlanta, like, turned it on to another another uh, gear in the, at the end of that game. And, you know, Giants just couldn't keep up. And they, they ran out of gas. And, you know, Eli made some bad throws, but he's... He's not terrible. He's not having a terrible year. I, I think they're right there. I think they're going to beat Washington. I think it's going to be a, you know, kind of like, okay, let's everybody take a deep breath. Well, I mean, if, if, if you want to turn the season around, you got to start doing it in the well, you, and, and you, It'd be amazing to me right now if your Giants had won that opening game and then the Cowboys had, you know, beat Philly but lost Romo like they did, uh, which I can't believe we waited this long to talk about it, but Losing Romo kills the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, going to disagree with that. I, oh, I, I'm not because you've got Dez out and you got Romo out and you have a really banged up, uh, you know, uh, God, tight end. Witten. Witten, thank you. Um, sorry, I was trying to say Winston, but that's the next game. Um, I think their offense is hurting badly and Whedon looked great. Uh, against Philly, but again, it's Philly who we don't know exactly what they are. I have very little faith in, in Whedon as a full-time quarterback when you've had the entire uh, week to watch film on him. That's different than a replacement coming in. That's just the way of the NFL. If you watch it, the guys that knock out the quarterback, they always want to do that. And then the backup comes in, they have no idea what he's comfortable doing. And those games either are close or end up being losses a majority of the time. Yeah, I, I, I think the, I think we. Well, I don't think he's good. I'm not a, you know, I'm certainly not a fan or apologist of him. I think he was overvalued by the Cleveland Browns. Tell me, stop me if you've heard that before. You know, when he came out uh-huh. of the draft a year after drafting Colt McCoy in the first round. Um, the, uh, but I, I think, I think he can manage the game well. Look, here's the deal. This is the first time in Whedon's career when he's had the same offense and the same offensive coordinator in two straight years. That's crazy right there, just that little. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad for him. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're expecting him to come in and to be Tony Romo, you're going to be very disappointed. But I think it's a matter of your defense is playing really, really well. You have a great offensive line. you got to be able to game plan to – you know, hit this guy's strengths. You don't have to go and hit home runs. You don't have to go and get, you know, four or five first downs in every drive. You just have to manage the game and take what they give you and be patient. Your defense is good. Now, if your defense starts getting shredded and you got to start bombing to win games, you have no chance. And so if Cedars is listening, I will say this. Marinelli is an amazing defensive coordinator. I mean, what he's done so far from last year to this year, I thought he was duct taping it together last year. 
seems to be that he's got these guys in the right position because he's still missing three starters right now on defense. Uh, you know, one, a questionable individual that probably should not have been picked up by anybody in Hardy. Uh, Rolanda McClain, you know, he's on his suspension. And then Skandrick's gone for the year. That is, you know, I don't know how they're going to cover the Falcons with that kind of, you know, losing Skandrick is going to put some pressure on them. But Sean Lee just looks, uh, again, amazing. So I can see the Cowboys winning at home with a close one. But I've seen that stadium go deathly quiet and give up on the Cowboys. Um, I don't think anybody really has faith in Whedon. Uh, I think Witten will go out and play even if he is missing a leg. And that's great as a player. But, you know, long term, they're trying to, you know, ride this thing out. Uh, but I think that's insane to think that they can ride out an eight-week absence from both Dez and Romo. So that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I can look at it as like, let's say you have eight weeks here, right, without them, and if you go four and four, and that leaves you at six and four heading into the final six weeks of the season when you get Romo and you get Dez back. And let's not forget, like, I mean, you, you mentioned it, but. You're getting two really good pass rushers back in two games. That's that's only going to make that awesome defense just that much more dangerous. You know, again, I think it's about the right game plan for Whedon. I'm still picking them to win that division. They're going to the playoffs, and I think they're winning the NFC East. I think this makes them less exciting, more susceptible to, obviously, losses. But I think that they are good enough around Whedon to go and win half these games over these next two months. The only thing for them is the way the schedule set up is, you know, they get the Giants twice and the Eagles twice before November 8th. So, you know, your last, you know, several games are against Packers, Jets, you know, and then you get the Redskins twice. I I, I don't know uh, how that's going to work for them with the injuries, but it should be uh, interesting to say at least. And that means – that Dez comes back in football shape, which when you're, you've got a broken foot, that really does hurt a receiver. Sure. I guarantee. Absolutely. Um, and Romo, I'm not concerned him coming back. He'll still, you know, gun it. But the Dez deal, he can come back out and overdo it and do something else. Um, so, anyways, that's enough but of that. Losing uh, this weekend. Let's just get that on the record. Yeah. All right. So my Texans own two going or. At home against the mighty Buccaneers at one and one, Texans. You know, I think I saw that Foster has been upgraded day to day. If you can get him in and get a running game going, that helps. This is just horrible to see a defense look this amazing. Even though you know, I mean, they've given up some big drives because they're on the field all the freaking time. Right. Now you've got the Bucks that looked great against you know. Uh, who they take down last week that I was not expecting them to take uh, Jack, down. Uh, oh, no, Breeze. And oh, the Saints. You know, what's left of the God, Saints. That's a train wreck of a team. Yeah, so I will say the Texans get off the schneid here and get a win. Uh, the other 12 o'clock games, Colts-Titans. You know, Colts 0-2 and looking like they have no uh, – sounds like another – that sounds like a dumpster fire. Yeah. They, you know, they got the talent, but – 
the way they lost that game, I'll tell you this, the game could have been completely different if you take away that fumble on the goal line. I really believe that against the Jets. Well, I, I do too. And there's, you know, th- th- there's a lesson to be learned here when you look at, you know, and again, ironic that we're pointing out as Dallas as the smart player here, but, you know, they spent, went out and drafted a receiver in the first round. They uh, went and signed Andre Johnson, went and signed Frank Gore, but, you know, their offensive line kind of sucks, man. Andrew Luck's getting beat to shit out there. We got a team that we can talk about quarterback getting beat to shit here in a second. But you're right. Luck is having a terrible year. But, again, this is when last year everybody gave up on Brady. It was after, you know, Kansas City drilled him. Yeah. Uh, going down the rest of it, Raiders, Browns, I only care about due to fantasy. <laughs> Bengals, Ravens. 2-0 Bengals, 0-2 Ravens. Um, man, uh, the Ravens. Uh, well, it sounds like the Bengals, you know, typical of, um, you know, we're great in the you know regular season and we're going to suck in the playoffs. But Ravens, man, they, they're just missing something. I don't know what it's it is ter- in Harbaugh. It's Terrell Suggs in the middle of the field. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, wreaking havoc. That, that's what they're missing, and it's obviously a big deal. They they've got to do something on defense because that's they're they're getting killed they're getting killed and that's very unusual and it makes you you know it makes you realize just how valuable Suggs was but you know again you look at I know the Bengals we've seen this before but you know the Ravens are I, I see the Ravens as you know you, you got to win this game if they don't then it's well Man, you're, it's mass panic in Baltimore but you know given their track record of the past couple of years. I think they can turn around, and this is, you know, they've lost, they had a West Coast opening with the Broncos and, you know, the Raiders, so you can think about it, and the way they've probably been talking about, you know, inside the confines there in Baltimore is, look, the season starts this week, you know, it's all divisional games, we got to focus on the division and go from there. They're right, you know, they're absolutely right, and um, you know, that, that's how you have to think of it. And, you know, I think whether they have two or three West Coast trips and, you know, they went to the league saying, hey, at least put them together. Put them yeah. together. Yeah. So they got they now have two trips and they're going to stay. I don't know if they'll stay out there again, given what happened this time, but I would. It makes sense. Oh, yes. Uh, Jags Patriots. Patriots take it in a heart. I mean, just heartbreaking fashion. I have no doubt. You? Pa- Jags Patriots? Patriots just killing them, ripping oh, their heart, yeah. shredding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. No, I mean, I- Saints at the two and Panthers. You were saying we, we uh, you know, kind of snake oil Panthers a little bit, and I agree with that. But I think the Saints are in deep, deep trouble. They are, man. That's a. I think Goodell did a fine job of killing that franchise. Yeah, they did a. Uh, they they really mismanaged the. Uh, that team was just the business side of that was mismanaged, and they are. I think they're going to lose. Uh, they will. Hey, if Drew, if Drew doesn't play, which it came out today, that's just a bruise. But, well, guess what? It's a bruise last week, and you look bad. And I hate to say that about Drew, but he looked bad. Well, and he didn't have a lot around him, let's be honest. And no, he doesn't. The, I, I think Tampa Bay might pull it enough together to compete with them for the bottom spot in that division. You're right. Uh, Eagles, Jets. Uh, I'd say Jets here. Yeah. I mean, Jets are favored. It's at the Jets. I have no reason to doubt. Yeah, it. I, I, I can't. I mean, other than just sheer 
I just believe they're going to do better. So there, there you go. I have no reason to believe that Philadelphia is going to be immensely better. Well, I, I just, if you can get more than what, two yards or five yards rushing, I forgot what it was last well, they're week. Not gonna, they're not going to open. They're certainly not going to start, you know, busting for Asking. 150, 200 yards against this defense. Well, all right. So do you think you see Sanchez in this game? I guess that's the most important no. thing. All right. No. Chargers, Vikings, two one and one teams. I think Chargers are the much better team. Who's here. the home team? Vikings. Outdoors at Gopher Stadium. It'd probably be really nice. I think the um I think the Chargers are a better team as well. I think uh Yeah, I think the Chargers are gonna go in there and get a win. I'm gonna say that. I think that right. I'll I'll back your play there yeah. too. Steelers and Rams. Um both one and one at St. Louis. You have the Steelers offense, which we never ever think of as being good. But you look at, you know, Roethlisberger, you look at Antonio Brown, and the guy who's just rushing for his life, knowing that he's going to go sit on the bench in two more weeks, D'Angelo Williams, they got a hell of an offense. Yeah, they sure do. Um, they, Antonio Brown's probably the most, one of the, you know, outside of Julio Jones and, you know, I guess you could put Des Bryant in there, like one of the most dangerous receivers in the league. Oh, He's yeah. unbelievable. Um, they do have a good offense. The um, Man, I don't know. That, that, that Rams defense is pretty darn good, and I think the Rams offense is kind of coming together. You know, I drafted that damn Todd Gurley, and it's still like, I'm ready when they need me. It's like, mother, you know, and, and I don't want to drop him because when I do, he's going to start averaging like 120 a game the last six weeks of the season. But um, I, I'm going to go home team here. I'm going to say they, 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 give, uh, they give Roethlisberger some fits and they're able to do some things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take St. Louis in a home, home win here. All right. Well, then we got the game that I didn't think would be nearly as bad when we signed up to go to it. Uh, the 0-2 Bears at the 0-2 Seahawks with a new Cam Chancellor, which somebody forgot to tell him how to play the holdout game. Well, because when Emmett Smith held out, it you know the Cowboys went 0-2, they crumbled, and he came in, they won a Super Bowl. You don't go in when your team's 0-2 and sign the same deal, and I'm sure they're not going to make him pay the fine. They'll retroactively pay him somehow, some way. But for him to come back, I, I was really shocked about that. Well, I, I wasn't because, you know, at the end of the day, the owners are better business people than the players. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, they, he was going to come back when those game checks started coming in. But, you know, and he's got three years left on his deal. Like, dude, wh what are you doing? Um, so I think he, yes, his presence will be felt, but it's not like he's 100% at game speed. And he's going to come in there and play 100% of the snaps. I mean, I, it, yes, it's a big deal. I, I think they're going to absolutely crush Chicago. They're going to crush the Bears. Oh, they! Uh, it is going to be so loud. And we're, <coughs> we are sitting in the Seahawks nest, which is that sliver that you see underneath the big uh, scoreboard. And that place is supposed to be loud anyways. I, I heard Buffalo was incredibly loud last week. Seattle, you know, this is their first home team or home game. Yep. They're pissed. It should be a hell of I mean, this may be one that Pete Carroll reverts to college coach mode and just 
pours it all well, up. Well, I hope so because you better to... use Jeremy. You, know, you better use Jimmy Graham well, because you're mismanaging him. He's your best asset on offense outside of Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. But God, use it. Yeah, that, it's a mismatch against linebackers. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like, why the hell would would you trade for him otherwise? Yeah, they're gonna. I, let me tell you something. I think there's going to be a 21-24 point game. I think they're going to come out mad. I hope so. I've got Lynch and Wilson on my fantasy starting team. So, um, but Chicago's a train wreck. They're going to have a backup QB. I think you know, yep. Sherman and Thomas and company are going to pick off on this guy, and um, they're they're going to run away with this, and it's going to be a blowout. All right. So uh, the rest of them: 49ers and Cardinals. Cardinals. Surprise! 49ers got the win. They got Cardinals two touchdown win. Now, all right, I'll take that. Bills, Dolphins, at, at Dolphins. The Bills. All right. Dolphins just lost to Jacksonville. Yep. In um, the Sunday night game, this is where we're talking about beat up quarterback. The line for Detroit. Oh God. And actually, I have to say that makeup, and we knew the line was going to be bad for Denver, but when you have uh, guys in the locker room writing saying. I've never seen a quarterback so beat up in week two as we saw Stafford. That's got to be concerning for Well, you. very much so, especially with a defense like Denver's defense, who's keep. Oh, they're going to get after his ass. Keep, let, me, let me tell you something. I think I think there's only one team that averages fewer yards in the league than, than uh, offensive yards than Denver right now. Um, I, I don't think this has ended well for Peyton Manning. I, I mean, I love him. You're not going to find a bigger Peyton Manning fan than me, but – um, he's just, you know, he's old. He's been playing a long time. He's, he's banged up. and Well, you can't put a guy like that in the system. I think we talked about it, and I don't want to be the talking head, but Kubiak didn't want him in Houston two years ago or three years ago and said he wanted to stick with Shop. Brilliant idea. That worked really well. Um, now he's got Kubiak, and he's in charge. Or Now he's got Peyton. Kubiak's in charge, and guess who's leaving after this year? It's Peyton. So, well, you know, you're not going to after this year. He better retire after this year. Oh, he has yeah. to. I mean, uh, Grantland's already running a piece right now. Is retired now. Um, I, he doesn't have that in him. You will have to knock him out. You know, you'll have to take him down, not in Joe Theismann way, but maybe like. I think Farr got taken out, you know, his Green Bay days. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's um, – I, I will say this. The 2-0 Broncos, that record is misleading somewhat, but they've gotten the job done, and they're going to hammer the line. Let, let me tell you something. I don't think the Broncos are making the playoffs. No. I'll go so far as to say that. Uh, I don't think – we, we said it was going to be San Diego, I believe, and uh, – and the back the battle was going to be number two. Was it the Chiefs or was it going to be, uh, you know, Oakland or San Diego? Yeah, the uh, yeah, I I think uh, the Lions need need this win, but I I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball. Calvin Johnson just doesn't look like himself anymore. Um, I I just don't know. Yep. After I drafted him, second round or no, first round. Awesome. <coughs> well. Who knows? He might turn it around, but so far he hasn't looked like it. They, they just, they, they, they have too many holes. You know, Von Miller and company are going to just are, are really going to tee off on him. I think you're right. Um, but I, um, 
Uh, and I just don't think Denver's got. I know they made some acquisitions, but they lost more than they gained. Um, you know, they. You're probably right. They're going to get beat. I, I I hope they can keep it close, but Denver might beat them by you know 13, 14 points. They should, and it's only if the coaches adjust. So Monday night is actually a hell of a game. Um, the Chiefs going to the Packers. Oh, yeah. You know, Andy Reid became Andy Reid of old. Uh, you know, against the Broncos. Um, I think they had some chances to do that. You know, let's be honest. Jamal Charles did them no favors. Those were two huge turnovers last yeah. week. You couldn't have asked for a worse place on the field, a worse time in you know both halves. Uh, I think that they you know can do something there. The Packers have a backup running back now, and they've lost Jordy. They you know Is, uh, Eddie, Lacy, Eddie Lacy's out. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, what I, I was asking, he's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, Lacey's out, so Starks is supposed to be running. At least that's the last time I looked on the fantasy, you know, pick them, whatever. Start them, sit them. Um, I would still say Green Bay wins, but uh, Green Bay by seven and a half, I don't know if that's uh, – the only reason I would say that's doable is because it's uh, Reed on one side and a, you know, a questionable offense. Yeah. Now, I can see Jamal Charles coming out pissed off and just saying, hand me the rock and I won't put it down. And uh, what was your guy? Uh, was it Tiki that used to fumble all the time for the Giants and then all of a sudden forgot how to do yeah. it? Yep, 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 yep. I think that's uh, something that they really need to focus on, and uh, I can see that happening. But I think, Bearden, we got an, an hour here. I think we're good. Should be. Unless you want to talk about women's lacrosse, no, I don't. You know, I, next week, I, I, I will say I think Green Bay is going to win this game. Also, what, you said seven and a half the line. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say they cover that man. Green Bay. I think Green Bay looks great. You know, they and, until I see them falter with one start, one more starter out. You know, then I'll I'll believe it. But man, they just I don't care what the score said. They really controlled that Seattle game. Uh, I think. You know, that Seattle game looked uh, I mean, it was, a lot closer than it ended up being. Well, it, it, it did look closer, and Seattle took the lead. But there was never a point when, when I was watching it when I felt like – because I think Seattle took the lead in the second quarter. Um, there was never a point when I felt like, man, Seattle's going to win this game. There was it, it, When I was watching it, it always felt like Green Bay's going to come back and win this game, you know, just – the way that they've been playing, I think they look really look, look like uh, a solid team. They're probably one of my top two teams in the league right now. If I'm, you know, if I'm making these grand proclamations two weeks into the season, and it's all about grand proclamations. Right. All right, well, folks, that's the end of another episode. Thank you for listening, and uh, tune in next week. Peace out. Post game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.